Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink with Roni Abovitz for This Week in XR. Today is April 21st, 2023, and our dear friend Ted is not with us this morning. He had open heart surgery earlier this week. Uh, We're told he's recovering. Uh, The recovery, I guess, is the tough part. The ticker is fine. Uh, It's just a very, very invasive surgery. But Ted is young and strong and healthy. So uh, hopefully you'll have a speedy recovery. Um, Yeah, I've been nervous about it, Ronnie. Yeah, no, it's been a nerve wracking week. I've been, uh, it was hard the the night uh, before his surgery. I don't think I slept. Yeah, his wife, Jody, has been very good about keeping everybody uh, up to date. But, you know, a lot of the time she doesn't know what's going on either. So it probably was a very draining week for her as well. But it uh, looks like he's going to be okay. I'm I'm hoping he's going to be with us uh, next Friday. We have a great guest today, by the way, uh, Raj Bahatia, the VP of product at Roblox. Uh, everybody has been talking about Roblox as a metaverse. I'm pretty sure they didn't think they were a metaverse when they got into the uh, uh, game multiverse. Uh, but sure, why not? It's a metaverse. I'll I'll I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, it's enormously popular. Last year, they had a fantastic IPO. Um, so uh, love to hear what Roblox is planning. They've been up, upgrading their graphics. And uh, It'll be great. Roblox has got so many users. I, I think they've got <laughs> a pretty good chance, along with Fortnite and some of the other game metaverses, of uh, you know continuing to expand and add services and become more relevant. Well, Charlie, they're one of the standard bearers along Epic with the idea that this is real. Meaning this, meaning oh, there was a virtual world or, or these X verses and metaverses that they're real and they're economically viable and they have hundreds of millions of users. So let's let's get to the news before we bring in Raj. There were a lot of funding announcements. Funny, the news was kind of anemic last week, uh, and I hate that. On the other hand, some weeks you get a ton of news, and I hate that too because it takes me twice as long to write the roundup. Uh, but it's a great way to learn about new companies and trends. Uh, so let me share a couple with you. Uh, I think so, some of these you'll you'll really like. There's one, a three-year-old Miami company. So let's hear it for Southern Florida, Mitiverse. Closed $7.6 million, uh, And they've got an enterprise platform. It looks like spatial, right, where people can spin up, spin up training worlds themselves. It, you know, integrates with uh, Unity, uh, which Spatial added also. Uh, and... Uh, so that's that's not a bad raise for a social business platform. Uh, I guess those guys, I, there's a lot of business out there because Altspace closed, right? Yeah. So Altspace was the choice of business. They were first. Oh, here's one. A uh, This is an NFT crypto thing, social future, AI-driven social metaverse, another social metaverse, but this one pitched to consumers. Their site is called may.social. May being for meet another you. Uh, and uh, and they're backed by crypto investors. Uh, moving on. Oh, Blacktop Hoops. 
Blacktop Hoops. So this one is great. They Vinci Games, Vinci Games. Uh, it's they were originally supported by Y, y Combinator and and a sixty thousand dollar Kickstarter. And as game Kickstarters go, that's very modest. Uh, and uh, so they they've got their app, their basketball app on uh, the Quest App Lab. Uh, they're they're building it out for other platforms, PlayStation and Steam as well. And uh, Y Combinator is back for this much larger round, along with our uh, Anorak Venture Ventures and uh, Twitch co-founder Kevin Lin. Uh, Anorak is um, uh, what's his name? Greg, um, uh, Greg was uh, part of the original Facebook group. Uh, he's been on the show. Great guy. Um, so anyway, I love the idea of playing basketball in VR. I don't know how they're going to get there. One reference, isn't it? Anorak. Yeah, yeah. Anorak Ventures, right. Um, the uh, I don't I've never played this game. I actually the uh, trailer is on the website. Oh, no, it's not the trailer. It's a still picture. Uh, I've got to watch the trailer. I'm interested to see how they treat running around. Yeah, that's going to be weird because that's that like when vr first came out when you were sprinting and running around that was like the puke machines you know and then, and then they kind of like okay let's not move and then you would sort of like teleport hop i remember and they're like that makes you puke less but the running like just a first person shooter we were running of the sports games it was like like your body and your brain were completely not uh at ease with each other uh, right so and if you're seeing all- other people running and it's not quite in sync it's gonna you know really uh confuse the brain yes yes very much so so there's this uh, an- another company has jumped in along with the board apes trying to build a massive metaverse that could support a million simultaneous users so this is a company called metagravity i don't the first time i'm hearing about them but 10 million dollars is real money uh so it'll be interesting to see if they really can have that many simul. that's that's crazy that's one shard Right. That's not breaking it up into separate rooms. I look, I think all of that. Um, and, you know, a friend of mine's the founder of Improbable, who's one of the first really. Right. Players. They're working with those are the guys working with the board apes. Yeah. What's interesting is that this idea of like simultaneous is anticipating a future where that many people actually want to get together in XR. And, you know, I, I think all that work will pay off. Eventually there'll be something like a Taylor Swift concert or right a super bowl that you know 200 million people are in all together at the same Wor- time. world cup 2027 uh, 2030s maybe <laughs> i don't know maybe there'll be a world cup 2027 or 28 that's okay-ish um by the way we have to talk about the fruit co because that's like a lot of noise this week fruit co the fruit co okay go fruit co well, I usually call them the fruit because I don't want I don't want to evoke the name, um, but no, the the rumors are really interesting about what's happening and what. Oh oh they- oh oh yeah. The, well, Mark Gurman, who seems to be yeah. the chief gossip over at Bloomberg, uh, yes. has has some great sources inside of Apple, so he really seems to know what's going on. This is not the usual, you know, reporting on reporting. Here's my take is uh, you and I have some common friends, and I've got an array of friends who also claim to have put their eyes or whatever on it who knows well you know ted says yeah. he's seen it 
I mean, oh, he yeah. I, he keeps too many secrets from me, but he says yeah. he's seen it and he is quite bullish. I'm sure they're using some of the Paramount Star Trek IP. What what is what is uh, now in public info is that the Sony 4K OLEDs, if I'm correct, so one 4K per eye. That's going to be compelling. Like if you ever put your eye on a 4K OLED, that's really really neat. Um, so if nothing else, the visual experience, it'll probably be the best VR visual experience anyone's ever had. That's going to be the interesting thing. Um, and if the price point's uh, correct, um, my, my take, Charlie, and, and this is then we'll move on. My take is that they're probably going to announce something, but it take a long time between the announcement right. and the ship, right? They did it, with the could, it could be November or even next year. Yeah, but what they want to do is like get a lot more devs under the team. right. Exactly, they want to stimulate the dev community. They apparently one of the things that Kerman leaked this week is that it'll it'll you'll be able to bring in two D apps from the App Store, and again, like your iPhone, everything can run simultaneously. You don't have to quit out of VR chat to go play walkabout mini golf. It'll be interesting. Like, do you think it will revive the VR side of things? Well, it ain't going to hurt. It ain't going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think it's going to be pretty compelling, but uh, that's me. You know, the other one that was really interesting that, that leaked, I think, in the last couple of days was Humane. Uh, I think one of the founders gave a TED Talk, and it's it's a extended reality device, but really different in the sense that he's wearing a little computer, I guess, in a pocket on his chest, and it projects... Uh, like what looked like a monochromatic thing onto his hand. Uh, there, there was chatter all about it uh, over the last couple I get, of days. I have to look that up. I got sent a press link to the uh, video feed from Ted. Uh, always, yeah. Ted, Ted always gives me gives me terrible FOMO. But you know what's interesting about, but you'll see you mean, but I think what's interesting for our, for our listeners um, is that what people thought it was, it is. People were like tracing it back. Lots of really good folks. I think Helen Pop. Papanagas, I'm not saying that right. Papaganis. Papaganis. Yep. Uh, yeah. She she published something a year ago about uh, that it's really related to some kind of MIT project from like the late 2000s, 2008, 2009, <clears throat> and, which kind of seems just like it, but it seems like that's kind of what they're doing, which was this wearable project onto the world with computer vision and sensing. So it's like, it's, it's almost like what Jerry uh, did with Tilt 5, where instead of projecting in your eye, she projects out. Yep. Here, they move the projector over here, and now you project it onto your hand as the screen. Right. Well, but you still still need the projection surface. She's using that mat. And, yes. uh, and so, you know, you and could, so use, you you could see using a hand, right? You, just, you could also, since it's using computer vision and hand tracking, you just flip your wrist over, and there's like a wrist, virtual wristwatch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, basically. So... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see when it comes out. I'm sure people will, you'll see them around the valley. And I, I have posited, I'm interested in your perspective on this. I have posited that um, wearable all day, every way, every day AR may start out not with glasses, but with spatial audio and earbuds and sensors. So you have many of the sensors you would have in a head mounted display, but in a much less uh, much more frictionless form factor. And again, is most of what you need visual, which is sort of interrupting what you're seeing, or is it oral, like your trains on time? But most of all, what AI would do is become aware of who you are and where you are and what you're going to do next. So it has proper context to offer you 
uh, assistance. I know it sees in your calendar, you have to leave work. It gives you a reminder. Does it need to be visual? So I, I, I think that's possible that that's something that's going to unfold here. Well, Charlie, if you think about who's best positioned for that, it's probably Apple, right? People already have their AirPods in most of the day. And if you had like- it's Exactly. Matter, Take what they're AirPods already doing. Watch. Right. Take and, what they're already doing. A little buzz, right? Think about a tactic feedback on your watch and then you're listening. So that might take care of a certain amount of notifications and guidance. You know, yeah, it, I think they're they're going to play in that space. So I'm excited. We've been waiting for this for a long time. I'm sad that I'm going to have to go out and spend three thousand uh, dollars, but I hope if if everything they're saying is half true, it'll be great. So we we will see. I mean, I I, I can't recall a, a product that has had this long a, an incubation time and this much hype at, about which we've known so little. Uh, <clears throat> oh, Snapchat had their uh, their Snap Partner Summit this week. So, you know, the end of last we left the Snapchat story, uh, their stock was being beaten to a pulp and they were firing, you know, whatever, 15 or 20% of their company. Uh, you know, they had been a pretty high-flying stock and uh, exciting company. Uh, for, they can, by the way, user growth continues. They have 750 million unique users. So, you know, that you're starting to get into uh, Facebook territory when you're, you know, you're talking about like a significant portion of the planet. And apparently everybody under 25 year old, years old uses it like 90% of that demographic. So they're trying to add, I mean, one of the reasons they're so beaten down is this is a terribly soft moment for the ad market. It's not 2008, but it ain't great. Uh, when people, uh, when times are tough, people buy less stuff. That's just, that's that's the way it works. Well, like uh, Charlie Evan, I've known him for a long time. <clears throat> He's a friend of mine. So I'll, I'll say everything with, with that bias and grain of salt. But, you know, back in September 21, they were close to a $100 billion market cap company. Then they dropped to close to 10. I think they're around 16, which is still kind of amazing, right? Yes. You're in college, you build a company worth 16 billion, can't complain about it. Uh, you know, it was 100 billion at some point. I think the issue is this I think TikTok caught them and Facebook by surprise. That's, yes. So TikTok really became the place of attention. And when you talk to people who are buying the ads, like I've been in a number of interesting projects and where they're putting their money. It's like TikTok gained the attention and became the cool new club. It was like the cool new band. Um, so Snap was where you were, and then TikTok pulled them over, and Snap's still trying to like reinvent itself to be cool again. Um, and I think that 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 was one of the pieces. Like if you're going to put your money somewhere, and then on top of that, you've got all this storm on AI, all the uncertainty around tech, and there's all this like push on like what are people doing with user data. So in in all of that. But the other stuff I've heard from analysts is that the it's about about scale. Our subscale players who are less than 100, more than 10, you know, a lot, a lot of people, uh, a lot of the big investors are like sort of, well, you should be acquired or what's going to happen to you, right? Because the super scale players are like hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars. So it's kind of like that weird middle. And it sounds strange to be worth tens of billions and you're in the weird middle. But this kind of somewhat subscale, like what happens? Like, you know, do you acquire your way somewhere? How do you really bust open? Uh, and TikTok seemed to have blended AI and a kind of social cool in a way that seemed to rocket ahead of both Facebook, Meta, 
and 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 snap. But we'll see. Evans. Very the power. The power of the video news feed uh, really can't be understated. Uh, and again, it's one of those funny things. It's like social media in the '90s. It was right in front of us. It was right there, but but we didn't see it. I, I do think that just before we leave Snap, and we got to get to Raj. I do think Snap is looking at its future as AR and also off the app, right? They're working on magic mirrors for retail now. They're trying to start a SaaS service, uh, you know, for, for um, you know, people making local lenses. They're looking at, you know, kind of mirror world type stuff. They've acquired computer vision companies. So, uh, you know, they need to develop blue, new lines of business. They decided, obviously, the Pixie, the little drone that follows you around and uploads uh, snaps for you, uh, was not going to be that business. Uh, Here's the reality, Charlie. I mean, this is just my personal view. That's they're why we're here. Right, Give it to right, us. <laughs> yeah. I think they're right for someone like Apple or Alphabet Google to just slurp them up. Because they're they're a really smart team, and imagine them inside the scale of an Alphabet or inside right. the scale of an Apple, and then all of Evan's ideas could just suddenly bloom across all the Apple products. Uh, it's very hard to to go all the way that he's thinking yeah. alone, but you know, inside one of those mega giants, maybe. Uh, yeah, but we'll see. you know, some of these. Yeah, but a good point. Saying, Although, uh, uh, let me just put out the opposite view that it would be better off if the tech giants started disgorging some of their um, huge parts, right? So, I mean, wouldn't the world be a better place if YouTube was independent, you know, then, you know, can acquire other companies on its own. Uh, if uh, Instagram and WhatsApp could compete, I just think that this consolidation is not be benefiting the market. And I don't think it's actually benefiting the tech giants in the end. It's a little bit like the Bell companies being broken up in the 80s. Uh, everybody said it was the end of the world, but it really was one of the factors in igniting the internet. So let's see, <clears throat> more to talk about. Meta lays off more people. Looks like reality uh, labs, more speculative projects are going to take a hit as they uh, pivot to AI, which is more urgent. Um, oh, and there's one guy, I just want to mention this guy. Do you know Dan Olson? I, I don't. I got to send you a link to this guy's uh, long, rambling, brilliant YouTube videos about tech. Okay. Love. love. Uh, and uh, this week he he took I I watched him take the metaverse down. And I have to say, even though he oh, wasn't okay. talking yeah, about yeah. me personally, my butt hurt. <laughs> he I felt like I got a real spanking. So we need uh, to have him on the show. Then we should get him on the show. Oh, that's that like, would be awesome. Someone who's really like high. Yeah, energy. someone who thinks we're all full of shit. <laughs> but we got to get uh, with Ted back with his oh, yeah. Iron Man heart and his Tony Stark mode. Yes. Oh yeah. The three of us will take him on. All right, let's. Raj is going to come in, but hey, he was here earlier. I had keep an important guys waiting. Hello, Raj. Hey, how's it going? Uh, great. You've got. Uh, I'm Charlie. Nice to meet you. Uh, and I've got Roni Abovitz with me. Ted uh, Shilowitz couldn't make it this week. He is having open heart surgery. Oh no! So you know, our our thoughts go out to him. It sounds like he's uh, uh, on his way to a full recovery. So uh, anyway, welcome. We're excited to talk about Roblox. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me, and I'm excited to be here. And uh, yeah, best thoughts go out to to Ted. The um, I, I guess um, 
the news recently has been Roblox avatar upgrades and uh, other graphic improvements. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're really excited about um, a lot of the, the things that we've been doing um, over the last year on avatars. Um, in particular, you know, I think I think when we think about avatars, it's a it's a big part of self expression on the platform, mm. um, and and you know that self expression and identity are cornerstones of our community. Um, so our users increasingly view their avatars as an extension of their real life identity mm. when they socialize, meet, spend time with their friends on the platform. Um, so as you mentioned, we're kind of continuously building out our avatar system, uh, and we, you know, our, our goal is to enable infinite possibilities for creativity and self-expression um, on the platform. Um, and it's an interesting balance thinking about sort of developer and user agency, right? If you if you you know run around Roblox and visit a bunch of different experiences today, um, you'll see that there are a lot of experiences that actually take on their own persona through and their own environment and own and look and feel through building custom avatars that um you know as users pop in uh those avatars are the ones that are used in 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 uh in the experience so for example we recently had a lot of press around like front lines um you walk in there and you're not um you're not sort of like you know half unicorn with a cool uh with a cool sort of top hat and uh, lizard legs, right? If that's what your if that's what your sort of Roblox um, avatar is, you are a soldier, you know, on the front line. And you know, a similar sort of setup you see when you go to something like Adopt Me, um, they have their own sort of avatar system. So it's an interesting balance between allowing developers to create like a full look and feel and immersive um, environment that that fits their vision, versus honoring that user agency. And so we're we're enabling sort of a lot of options on both sides. And I think one one big innovation last year that was really interesting was layered clothing. Um, the idea that you can buy an asset, a digital asset that um, essentially sort of fits based on whatever size or shape avatar you have. And, and there was a lot of like deep technology and um, you know a lot of hard work that went into that. So we're really proud of that that release. So can I ask you a question? Like the, the avatar uh, issue is one of the uh, big metaverse interoperability questions that everyone brings up. And I think of Roblox as a self-contained galaxy within some kind of larger digital universe, right? Um, and the real question is like, what's, what's your motivation to have an avatar someone buys in Roblox or makes in Roblox and then go over to like Meta? And then go to Epic, and then go to Activision, and like, is there any, like, everybody thinks there's going to be this interoperability, but I, I haven't understood why the companies actually want that. Um, but I don't know if there's going to be like a UN NATO peace treaty one day where I can move all my avatars <laughs> back and forth. But it's like, because it's at the same time, like, identity hopping uh, is going to be. Weird. Are you taking us down the Web three rabbit hole? Is that where <laughs> no, no, this no. is going, Roni? This is the metaverse XR, you know, Roblox rabbit hole, which is like, you know, the avatars are amazing. Um, and I think it's it's an important part of identity in the future, what I think of as spatial web. But how do I move my identity from Roblox to some other places? Or is it just going to be there? Is that the costume we wear in Roblox? Yeah, no, it's interesting. And I, I think on one of your previous um on one of your previous episodes, you guys you guys talked about how there may not be this one big metaverse that's like kind of uh you know, single place, but like, you know, different pockets of metaverses, right? And and I think, you know, you know, we're, I'd say we're not there in terms of interoperability yet um, as an ecosystem, right? Like, I, I think uh, 
you know, if you look at the the metaverse today, um, we, as you guys mentioned before, we have like pockets of this, right, across across these different sort of uh, galaxies or universes, you know, that we're we're talking about. Um, I'd say we, if you look at it, if you look at it, kind of stepping back, I think we're in an early prototype of the metaverse, right? And it's not the finished, it's not the finished sort of product yet. Um, I think you can see, as I just mentioned, a microcosm of interoperability inside Roblox today. I just mentioned mm -hmm. the idea that you can portably take your avatar between many different experiences. Um, yeah, and because you're on the same platform, it's frictionless. Yeah. It just yeah. happens. And I think when we have metaverse level interoperability, it has to be that way too. You can't like be shuffling the deck every time you go to a different place. But I, I would also say, uh, you know, Roblox is a closed world in itself, right? So that Roblox is a metaverse, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it fulfills most, I mean, it's, you've got a creator economy. I mean, you, you fit all the, uh, you know, you take everything off. The, the only thing is you can't, uh, and, and also massively multiplayer, right? I mean, you can go into games that are, have hundreds of people in them. Yeah. And, and on that point, like, I think we're, we're also enabling platform level, uh, platform level capabilities that transcend between different experiences. So for example, um, you know, we have plans to ensure that people can chat or, or talk between different experiences as well um, out in the future. Oh, um, that's very re Ready Player One-ish. Yeah, and, and what I would say is like, I think if you step back, like generally interoperability comes a lot more with more mature technologies, right? Um, and again, as I mentioned, we're, we're early stages of development, but I think, the, I think the future there could be really interesting. There is a standards forum um, where they're, they're trying to establish how that's gonna work. To me, uh, the idea that your uh, identity can ride along with you and not belong to the platform and serve as a kind of universal sign-in, right? Because that's a huge piece of friction just on the 2D internet. I think also what part of what may be happening here, I'd be interested in your perspective, is that we built, the internet was built to be asynchronous. That is what is good about it. I get an email, it's instant, but I don't have to answer that minute. I get a message, instant message, which says, can I call you? So we're interrupted less often. Well, I could argue more often because you're always constantly yeah. checking for messages. Um, but I think that part of the difficulty from a technology standpoint uh, is that we built this giant world scale asynchronous platform because we wanted to be free of the tyranny of synchronicity. Yep. But now we're saying, you know, there are a lot of benefits to synchronicity and we're too far apart from each other and we need to be closer together. We crave that. So we need to be simultaneously present with other people since our lives have become digital. And the metaverse is kind of an answer to that. But the technology to do it, you know, this is not part of the idea of the Internet uh, as it's been constructed over the past 30 years. Yeah, definitely. And look, I, I think um, if, if you look at sort of the first the first sort of like eras of the internet, um, you you were able to accelerate communication that you know used to take you know days or weeks because mail traveled from point A to point B, or or documents traveled from point A to point B over time, or um, you know you didn't have access to a phone right away, et cetera. Um, but then, but you had you had this sort of acceleration and ease of delivery and and receivership of communication, right? Um, and you're right that that first paradigm was um, enable communication that's like supports like asynchronous and like in like deep deep sharing um, deep sharing of uh, uh, you know full information. 
And when you went, when you saw the mobile phone and the mobile era sort of accelerate, now all of a sudden you didn't have to be in front of a computer terminal. You could be, you had a computer terminal in your hand. And then we accelerated technologies on top of on top of mobile as well. Um, I see what we're building here with a human co-experience platform as filling yet another gap where if you need to be, if you can be synchronous and you know, Roblox's vision around our universal app and you know, being available everywhere for anyone at any time. Um, you know, we'll enable that 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 sort of synchronicity when it's needed and when it's wanted. Um, I don't think I don't think um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out in terms of how much pressure one one feels. Like you know, there when social media had its like full round, people all of a sudden felt very um, they felt they felt very compelled to be online watching the feed all the time. Um, there's I think there's the danger of that with with how um, how the kind of the rich interaction that we're looking to enable through this co-experience platform um, and the metaverse in general. Um, but I, I've hoped that there'll be graceful ways to you know, sort of not engage and, and put it down when, when it's something that you don't need to be engaged with. Can I, can I ask you a question? Um, when do you think the, the bulk of the users are not on a laptop or, or phone, but on something, whatever comes next? Like, do you think that's this decade, next decade, or never? You know, and does Roblox prepare itself for like what that ship? You know, Apple's going to ship ship something, maybe. Uh, Meta spending I don't know ten, fifteen billion a year trying to churn through stuff to build like the thing that's going beyond the PC and phone. Like, what's what's your take on it, and when does Roblox like really hug that or adopt it, or does it not do that? Yeah, no, it's a good question, and, and we get this question a lot. Um... Yeah, and I'll go to it again. Like I think, I think for us, we really do want to be um, on every relevant device um, where where users will want to have access to uh, the metaverse and, and to human co-experience. And and to date, you know, that's that's been PCs, mobile phones, tablets. You know, I think you see it in the world today. Um, but we but we have a vision where as as soon as anything is mainstream, as soon as anything is, you know relevant to a, a wide a wide array of, of humans especially around communication collaboration play work um we want to be there right so um you know I, I can't can't speak sort of directly about some of these things but um I, I will say that for all the relevant sort of hardware that we think is coming up we're you know we're, we're thinking very actively about it um and to your to your more your main question when will we see that leap um it's interesting, like you know, the, the the some of the hardware you're talking about is really expensive, and I think even the the upcoming uh, you know discussion around sort of and, and rumors around what Apple's going to release, it's going to be it's going to be a pretty expensive a pretty expensive device. Um, so not not really sure what kind of mass adoption we'll get in this early stage, uh, but I imagine it'll it'll, it'll uh, follow some sort of adoption curve like we saw with the iPhone, for example. What's interesting, uh, Raj, is that. Um, uh... You know, I, I'm friends with Neil Stevenson. He worked with me for many years. Um, one of the things that really surprised him was the mass adoption of, of 3D worlds, like the kind of metaverse worlds he imagined back back in Snow Crash when he wrote it, not needing wearables to become mass scale, but somehow like the PC accommodating and tablets and phones accommodating those things, which was like very surprising to him. But then he realized somehow people can access those mass 3D virtual worlds through a, a 2D laptop. And it's like very persistently strong, maybe because it's ubiquitous. Uh, it's not exactly clear why, why that is, but you guys have done, you're one of the existence proofs that perplex Neil. So uh, I think that's a, 
that's maybe a tribute to the staying power of like you know the the television or the 2d screen yeah uh, uh, very, very stubborn uh it doesn't it doesn't want to give up the ghost no and, and i look i think i think uh we're very deliberate in that right like if you if you zoom all the way back you know uh Roblox's, you know, native 3D, right? Where it's it's immersive by definition. Um, you know, at the very, very core element, it's backed up by um 3D objects that are created um, you know, in in the most popular modeling software packages. Then they're uh luified with script. And then there's a really deep and real physics engine underlying that, right? So inherently everything that you see through that 2D screen. Is actually a 3D rendered. It's actually a 3D rendered experience, and so um, we feel like we've actually accomplished quite a bit of that immersion through the phone, through through the desktop, etc. Um, and and would be ready to to move forward into anything that is is more 3D immersive native as well. I'll tell you what, I want to give you guys a huge amount of credit for is that when you think about um, the emergence of Roblox, Minecraft was already huge. Microsoft buys them. How could you possibly compete with the behemoth that's Microsoft? And then you've got like all these super high resolution AAA games from Activision and Epic and all that. So the lower res graphics, and then you're fighting the Minecraft cult. It seems if you went back, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years, it would make no sense for Roblox to be this good. But uh, you're, you're a VP of product. So like the finesse of how you built it is a really interesting story because unafraid of the big giants, you didn't need the highest resolution and you didn't need new fancy devices, yet you built a gigantic community and a very valuable company. So there's something in that like subtlety of how to build something, which is a, a great lesson for any 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 groups looking in. Thanks. And uh, to, to to everyone else's credit, I've I've only been at Roblox for like for like 10 months. Um, I know. I was going to ask you about that because you had <laughs> such an amazing journey. I was reading over your bio before the show. And I, you know, we could spend the whole show talking about your resume. So I didn't jump yeah, on other stuff at right? first, but you know, it's like uh, you're you're like the zealot of the past uh, fifteen <laughs> years of internet development. So uh, <laughs> you started out at IBM. Can can you tell the listeners your journey and yeah. your story? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, no, yeah. So uh, growing up, I mean, I, I my my dad got me a Trash eighty when I was like you know five and. I was, you know, coding in basic, you know, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to how to build something interesting and useful, recording things to, you know, tape recorder essentially. Um, but that, but that sort of like lasted with me all the way through undergrad, where I was like really deep into computer engineering, computer architecture. And uh, you know, I, I, early on, I, I, you know, I wanted to work on something that I thought would help, you know, humans make something in the real world better, right? Um, you know, you take you take something about real world process and 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 real world activity and tasks, and and you make that better with technology. Um, IBM was really interesting for me. I was there for quite a while and, you know, we were, I was working in the group that built supercomputers that, um, you know, really helped real life in a lot of different ways. One, it helped banks process transactions much faster. It helped us simulate climate and, you know, nuclear explosions when we didn't have to do them in real life. Um, it helped um, us beat Russians at chess. Like there was a bunch of really cool stuff that, that, that those computer systems did. Um, and then I uh, wanted to get as close as I could to the sort of user side. So I found myself at Zynga and that was a really interesting marriage for, for um, my background and, and sort of where uh, product management in particular, but where, where like, when did like, you move away from hardware and more into management? Uh, interesting. I, at IBM, I was, you know, hardware, you know, engineer, right. Near the whole time. Yeah. And I went, I went to, went back to B school and post uh, that's when I moved to. Uh, uh, where'd you go to B school? Uh, MIT Sloan. 
Oh, nice, nice. So yeah, uh, it was, and that was an amazing spot where you had like technologists, like really pure technologists, merged with with uh, you know business minded folks, and it was a it was a really it was a really cool sort of collaboration between those schools. Um, but but uh, Zynga was interesting in that it was a new approach to building games, right? Um, you you actually uh, didn't think about uh, you know creating something, ensuring it you know it was most fun as possible, and then printing it on a CD and then forgetting about it. It was alive and breathing, and it was always on. Um, and that feedback loop of what your users wanted, what they did, and and uh, what the data said, feeding back into how you kept that title alive for a long time was really fascinating. Um, so that was that was really fun for a while. Um, and then, you know, as you saw in my resume, I moved on to uh, you know work uh, on an education platform, where again trying to make a real world process around personalized education for the K to environment easy and simple and and sort of intuitive. Um, that was a big focus for us there. Um, and then, of course, transportation, moving people around the world. Um, there's something very valuable around helping drivers get access to to um, to earnings, and then and then helping helping uh, riders get from point A to point B in a, you know, a seamless sort of technical. Right. Well, I, just to clarify for uh, people listening, you went to Lyft, where you were also VP of product. Which uh, did that feel like a big pivot to go from Zinger to Lyft? Yeah, like yeah, you know, in in the middle there was a you know there was an education company. Yeah, like yeah. I said. Um, well, yeah. to go from the education company to Lyft, I mean, it doesn't yeah. seem like there's a straight line. It seems like that was kind of a different, uh, different beast. Yeah, to to an extent, it definitely a different beast. And and I think one of the fun things that I've I've been able to do is ramp up pretty quickly in new industries as I as I get as I get mm. to them. Um, there are a lot of parallels between what I was doing in education and what I did at at Lyft. Um, it may not seem obvious on the per on the on the surface, but really enabling drivers um, who are you know come from a really wide range of backgrounds, really wide range of tech tech sort of tech savviness um, to uh, understand how to make sense of this two sided marketplace platform where they're bringing the labor and a vehicle and there are like inherent rules about how that system works, but you know, how do you become a successful driver on the platform? How do you think about planning your day? How do you, you know, those are those are very similar to the the sorts of tools we were building for educators mm. um, at at um, at Alt School. Um, one thing, just getting back to um, uh, uh, getting back to Roblox for a second, um, have the demographics been changing, or is it still you know twenty four seven you know preteens and young teens? Yeah, no, uh, we are we are definitely seeing the demographics change quite a bit. Um, over fifty percent of our users are um, are over thirteen now, um, which is which is great. Um, our fastest growing age demographic is seventeen to twenty four, and uh, you know it comes from a combination of you know we have more more sort of you know aged up content and more interesting um, you know more complex uh, experiences on the platform now. Um, and we also have people sticking with us, like from from when they you know started with Roblox early. So it's you know that source of that source of you know seventeen to twenty four year old growth is is coming from a couple of places. Um, I'd also say some of the stuff we're doing with like music and brands um, is attracting in a different. Uh, That's what I was going to ask you, right? Oh. Because I, I guess what I was thinking was uh, I was having a conversation with actually a brand marketer yesterday. And uh, I was saying is the idea that you're, you know, getting to people while they're young so that they'll have your brand front of mind when they do become independent consumers. Uh, and he said, well, no, I mean, there are a lot of adults on um, 
on Roblox and that's what they're looking for. You know, we're what they're, we're their content. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting. We had the Elton John concert a while ago and it was interesting. I actually saw a lot of people and not just because people know I work at Roblox, whatever. Um, a lot of people like on in my social media um, feeds and, and, you know, reach out and, and, and actually compliment us on, on that, on, on that experience. Um, so I'm seeing more and more of that, like it's, it's popping up and I'm seeing more of my peers and more of my friends actually understand it and, and know about it more naturally. Um, because I, I do think we have this content that that's more appealing to them. Yeah. Uh, I think you have a couple of other brands in the right. I Heart radio uh, are they, they're running concerts. Uh, also on Roblox. Right. Yep. So uh, I imagine that's going to attract uh, uh, a lot of not just your current users, but people from outside the platform. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so as we're, you know, I always, when we start these conversations, I'm always like, oh, Raj, what the hell am I going to talk to this guy about? And we always don't have enough time. So uh, maybe just my insecurity. Um, the word on everybody's lips, artificial intelligence. Uh Generative AI could have a role in making games or building avatars. Uh, it could allow uh, people who are more sophisticated prompt engineers to talk uh, games and experiences into existence. Uh, so I know that you guys are looking at it, but what is the future of it? How do you think it can impact Roblox? Yeah, I mean, I, we, we're, we're spending a lot of time on this and there's a lot of excitement both in and outside the company on this. Um, so yeah, you know, I think first, like I think the opportunity that we see here is um, on the creation side, right? Um, yeah. And I think that's kind of the the obvious thing. But um, I think both we we have plans to both augment Roblox Studio, um, which is the tool that developers use to create the experiences. Um, we we have we have plans to augment Studio to make creation dramatically like faster and easier. Um, by uh, and and also we've got plans to enable more users on Roblox to become creators, right? Um, so, so a couple of things we, we think about in two sides, like we do think that there's gen AI tools that can help accelerate creator productivity. Um, and we recently, um, we recently, uh, baited a couple of interesting new tools along those lines. Um, we also think it'll, it can significantly drop the technical skill needed, uh, mm -hmm. to bring things to life as well. Right. Um, so, you know, in the future, a creator could design a car through a simple statement, like, you know, a red two seater convertible sports car with front wheel drive, right? And if you think about the full stack of what Roblox has, um, you can create the 3D model, you can create the texturization and the and and the sort of feel of that. So it'd be a you know, red sports car with, you know, maybe shiny, maybe it's not shiny, maybe it's matte. Um, and then you can have all the behavior around physics and how the front wheels spin and pull the car forward, um, all coded into that package, right? And that can be driven out directly into the 3D virtual world. Um, and, and we, we see a very real possibility you can go from that statement to an asset that anyone in, in Roblox can use or deploy your own. Well, Raj, that's super interesting because the, there's still, even though Roblox is easy, uh, there's still like a barrier of entry for some folks. And like th this next thing could take, it's a very interesting and safe place to test it, right? Because you can take a lot of friction out um, and, and onboard a whole bunch of people who don't realize they're creators. Right. Absolutely. They, uh, they just have to have some form of imagination and just utter it. And well, know, Ed, you bring up a good point, right? Because we all today, everybody is a content creator. Everybody who uses social media in any form is a content creator. So we know that user generated content is really going to be the most, uh, you know, the vast majority of the metaverse is going to be user generated content. So, you know, what is the equivalent in the metaverse of a picture of your granddaughter? 
So I think that's that's kind of unanswered for me. Do you have perspective on that, Raj? Yeah, I know it's it's interesting um, how how um, you know we're thinking about this on two two angles, right? Um, are you know is there is it all anchored to something you know in reality, or are you trying to are you, you know you trying to sort of enable something that's um, you know maybe not been maybe not been imagined before, right? Um, you know through different combinations. You know we're we're seeing we're seeing these um, we're seeing we're seeing these you know Gen AI like sort of avatar creators you know, proliferate, uh, in, in the app store, right. That they're kind of taking these liberties as well. Yeah. Um, but, but the, the, the goal is to enable basically anybody on the platform to, to create something that's in their brain. And you, you see this today, even with, with how avatars are created, people have a really wide range of options and the creativity and the explosion of what, what people can do on the platform is already there. So I think there's this innate desire there. Um, the other part of what I was going to mention though, is we're also actively thinking about how, this technology could enable, you know, you know, copying and and um, you know, and, and sort of stealing of ideas as well. So there's a lot of investment yeah. on on ensuring that things are both safe and um, uh, and original. So one one last thing I wanted to bring up was this week Meta announced that they were going to allow uh, people under 18 into Horizon Worlds. Now anybody, so now the age is 13. Of course, if any user of Horizon Worlds knows that it's overrun by 10-year-olds from all over the world, uh, and it it actually renders a lot of their social spaces unusable. I mean, you could run around muting people, but if you're outnumbered, you don't belong there. And uh, so, you know, it seems like, and I'll get off of meta, I'm just using it as, as the reason I'm asking the question. It seems like a ticking time bomb, right? Kids with adult strangers, right? There's no adult, you know, I mean, my children are grown, but when they were kids, they never interacted with adults who weren't curated, whether they were a coach or another parent or, you know, associated with the school. And on the web, we've seen, you know, uh, things happen where, you know, those boundaries are eliminated. And so a roadblock seems like it too is sort of ground zero uh, for that security concern. So how, how do you manage that? Yeah, there's a few aspects to this. And it's a really, it's a really interesting topic and, and one that we spend a lot of time on actually, as you can imagine. Um, so stepping back, right? Like Roblox, we're 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 trying to enable you know co human co-experience in this 3D immersive platform. We do think that uh, communication is a super key piece of this. Um, and our vision is that you know people experience the full spectrum of social interactions on Roblox, and and you know that communication in Roblox mirrors all the ways you can communicate in the real world, right? And there's some aspects to that that I think help with this, but it is it is nuanced, right? There's three pieces here. Like first, um, that uh, communication capabilities being rooted in the ways that we communicate in the real world. Um, the idea that I can understand tone, I can understand your facial expression, that I can see if I say something that hurts you, if I can feel, I can walk away from you, I can, I'm uncomfortable. Um, those things need to be enabled in the platform and, and we're working on things like that. Um, I also think the interesting thing is that, that uh, because you're digital, you're not bound by uh, the limitations of physical reality, right? You could, you could essentially be talking with someone that's in a totally different experience and managing mm -hmm. that and also keeping that um, uh, something that you have control over and something that you feel like you uh, can't protect yourself in, right? But the, but the third the third one is, and this is you know kind of core to like why some of the social systems on Roblox are not as developed as other as other platforms yet. Um, we we take digital civility and safety like very very seriously. It's the 
we we hold up releases, we 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 uh, rethink products because we're not seeing um, the levels of civility and safety that we would expect. So um, of all the things that we work on, this is probably the thing that we have the most eyes on. And um, it, it full range of things like, can we enable actual better connections so people are inherently not, not going to um, say the mean thing that they know they're not, not gonna have any responsibility for or consequences around, that's one. And then two, um, our moderation tools and our report tools and, and, and our moderation um, capabilities are, are getting better every day. Well, Raj, that's about all the time we have this morning. Um, it was great to meet you uh, and uh, your insights. Uh, really, really uh, interesting. I learned a lot. And uh, best of luck to you and Roblox continued success. Uh, I know you guys are serving hundreds of millions of people, uh, so hopefully you'll you'll keep growing and uh, and your metaverse will uh, show the rest of us how it's done. Thanks for thanks for having me. This is a great conversation. Awesome. Great great work. All right, thanks everybody. See you next week. Bye.